history of english literature from the 5th to the 18th century episode 1 unit 2 today we'll be talking about the elizabethan theater the early part of the elizabethan age was a period of strolling players it was a time when the actors had to go to the audience instead of the audience coming to the actors these strolling players performed in improvised theaters anywhere be it tavern yards palaces or gentlemen's houses there were many such touring dramatic companies but the most important was the admiral's men and the chamberlain's men both of these companies were patronized by queen elizabeth james i who succeeded elizabeth took the chamberlain's men under his protection and thereafter the company was called the king's men it was this company that shakespeare belonged to for most of his career as a dramatist the first permanent theater was built in 1576 by james burbage he was the father of one of the colleagues of shakespeare at storeditch to the north of london it was called the theater as it was the only of its kind in existence soon other theaters were also built thus the famous rose was built in 1587 the globe in 1599 and the fortune in 1600 most of the theaters of the time were small as they were expected to accommodate only a limited number of spectators they were different in shape the swan was octagonal but the fortune was squarish part of the theater that is the yard in front of the stage was open to the sky there is the backstage as well as the galleries surrounding the yard were roofed throughout the elizabethan period the theater was half open to the sky and the plays were acted during daytime but towards the end of shakespeare's career great changes for the better took place in 1603 James Burbage bought the refectory of the old Blackfriars Monastery and converted it into an indoor playhouse. Here, plays were acted by candlelight and therefore more stage effects were possible. The stage arrangements in the Elizabethan theater were not so elaborate as the modern one. Its main drawback was the effect of change of time and place. placards were sometimes used to announce the location of the action shakespeare considered such devices of place time and action throughout the dialogue between his characters for instance in twelfth night act 1 scene 2 the idea of place is communicated through a conversation between viola and the sea captain viola asks what country friends is this and the captain replies this is illyria lady similarly in hamlet act 1 scene 1 to let the audience know that the time of action is dawn horatio says to mercurius and bernardo but look the morn is russet mantle clad walks over the dew of yon eastern hill again in macbeth act 2 scene 1 The time of action is night and this is suggested by Banquo's remark There is husbandry in heaven their candles are out 
Shakespeare looked with contempt on the practice of producing stage effects by crude methods. This is evident from the detailed ridiculing in Act Two, Scene Two of A Midsummer Night's Dream, where Bully Bottom and his associates are represented as rehearsing a drama to be staged on the occasion of the marriage between Duke Theseus and Hippolyta. There is a drop curtain in Elizabethan theatre, and the end of a scene was often indicated by a rhyming couplet. In many of the Shakespearean dramas, at the end of a long scene, there is a rhyming couplet. Thus, in Hamlet, Act Two, the long second scene of six hundred and one lines ends with the following passage: "I will have grounds." More relative than this, play is the thing wherein I catch the conscience of the king. A feature of great importance of the Elizabethan stage was that there were no female performers. The acting profession was entirely masculine. It was one. It was only in the Restoration period that professional actresses became an accepted part of English theatre. Women's parts were therefore played by young boys. trained from childhood for the purpose a dramatic company for which shakespeare wrote his plays perhaps did not have many actresses and that is the reason why there are only a few women in most of his plays he had his own difference about the effect that was likely to be produced by these boy actresses and so he tries to overcome the difficulty by making the heroines like rosalind Viola, Beatrice appear under the disguise of boys. It is likely that these boy actors were not able to act successfully the parts of somewhat grown-up women of the type of Lady Macbeth and Cleopatra. Shakespeare himself is aware of this difficulty when he makes Cleopatra complain, "And I shall see some squeaking Cleopatra boy may greatness." The audience of the Elizabethan age consists of a small motley crowd. Motley means mixed, drawn from all sections of society, differing in taste, education, and wealth. Most of them were highly superstitious, believing in ghosts and witches and witchcraft and bear baiting. To please people of such diverse interests was no easy task for an ordinary dramatist. Shakespeare. No doubt, being a past master of his art, succeeded immensely well, and was the most popular of all dramatists. Those who could play well were seated in the galleries, from where they could have a better view of the performance. They had a lot of money to spend. There were also boxes for the well-to-do. However, some of the most privileged persons sat on stools on the stage. and this enabled them to pass remarks on the acting of the players the rest of the audience also known as groundlings were unruly and noisy section of the spectators who had to just play pay one penny stood on the floor around the uncovered part of the stage which jutted into the yard the elizabethan age was a period of transition from the old religious drama to modern non-religious plays It is often said that the church was the cradle of English drama. 
In the beginning, the dumb shows were performed inside the church or the church premises by clergymen. They were followed by miracle plays and morality plays, enacted with the purpose of imparting both instruction and entertainment. After the Renaissance, there was a revival of learning, and the demand for the new type of classically influenced non-religious drama. At first, these plays were written according to the classical tradition, observing the three unities of time, place, and action. Later, these rules were broken and the modern type of drama evolved. The first English dramatist of some originality was a man named Robert Greene, who was one of the university wits. The famous Spanish tragedy, written by Thomas Kidd, is considered to be the first tragedy in English. However, Christopher Marlowe, the author of Tamburlaine, the Jew of Malta, Dr. Faustus, and Edward II is recognized by all as the father of English tragedy. The presiding deity, however, of the Elizabethan stage was William Shakespeare, whose dramatic career extended to about 20 years from 1590 to 1610. Starting as an errand boy and actor of minor parts, he slowly rose to prominence and dominated the stage for years together without breaking and without a rival anywhere in the vicinity. At the end of his career, having earned a fortune sufficient to live comfortably for the rest of his life, Shakespeare returned to his native town, Stratford-upon-Avon. Shakespeare wrote altogether 37 plays. They were classified into comedies, tragedies, histories and romances. A comedy is obviously a play with a happy ending, but it is sometimes more than that. It is essentially the story of an ordinary person who, because of his mental alertness and resourcefulness, is able to surmount the various difficulties in life and come out successful in the end. His success brings joy and sunshine not only to himself, but also to all others who are associated with him. A tragedy, on the other hand, is the story of a great man with many good qualities who fails to have mastery over adverse circumstances because of an inherent flaw in his character. The hero suffers and dies in the end. His defendants are also affected by his misfortunes. Four of Shakespeare's tragedies, namely Hamlet, King Lear, Othello and Macbeth are generally referred to as Shakespeare's major tragedies. Strictly speaking, most of Shakespeare's important tragedies and comedies are plays of single stars, that means they have one main protagonist. In his, major, in his major tragedies, for instance, not even a single female character is a proper match to the hero of the play. Similarly, in comedies like As You Like It, Twelfth Night, and The Merchant of Venice, the so-called heroes are unworthy of their heroines. Orlando, or the Duke of Orsino, or Bassanio can play only second fiddle to the real heroine, Rosalind, or Viola, or Portia. History is the main theme of the historical plays. 
Antony and Cleopatra, though based on history, is by consent of critics considered a tragedy and not a historical play. The last few plays of Shakespeare are commonly called romances because the experiences described in them are romantic or fantastical, strange or out of the way experiences, far different from the experiences we come across in our everyday life. The four romances are Pericles, Cymbeline, A Winter's Tale and The Tempest, which are supposed to be uh, a tempest is supposed to be one of Shakespeare's last written plays. As a matter of fact, Prospero bidding farewell to magic is Shakespeare himself bidding farewell to the stage. It is in fact a major part of Elizabethan plays which is the verse and not the prose. Here it should be remembered that the Elizabethan playgoers were accustomed to verse as a vehicle of storytelling and entertainment. In Shakespeare's plays, we find both prose and poetry. Poetry is used by the major characters and prose by the minor characters. However, there are exceptions. For instance, in Hamlet, Act 2, Scene 2, Prince Hamlet's explanation about the greatness of man is in prose. What a, what a piece of work is man? How noble is Ryu in reason? How infinite in faculty? In form, in moving, how express and how admirable? In action, how like an angel? In apprehension, how like a god? The beauty of the world, the paragon of animals, and yet to me, what is this quintessence of dust? Man delight me not, women neither, though by your smiling you seem to say so. Of course, this is no ordinary prose, it is poetry written in prose. Thank you.